0: Welcome to Mosaic Church, my name's Shannon, one of the pastors here. Um, glad to have you guys out. Uh, next week we're going to jump back into the Gospel of John, kind of where we were a lot of the fall. But this week I want to take one more week to kind of reflect on where we're at coming into a new year and, and a bit of where we want to go. And uh, the word that we began with and that, the, that that scripture that was just read emphasized is welcome. And believe it or not, that's basically where I plan on camping out for the entire morning. I want to talk about the welcome of Jesus. And so I want to begin with a question, and that is do you feel welcome here? And I really want you to think about that. Do you feel welcome here? You know, if so, why? If not, why not? Do you feel welcome here? Do you feel loved? Do you feel understood? Do you feel seen? Do you feel safe? my hope is that you do but considering that we have more than four or five people in the room um my guess is that that some of you would answer no um my my hope when we talk about these things is not only that you would feel welcome but that you would uh there would be an impulse within you that um that god is stirring within you even now to say man i want everyone else in this room to feel welcome you know i want everyone else in this room to feel welcomed by us as a church as we've been welcomed by Christ. But again, um, in in a gathering this large, I'm guessing that, that there's just a mix. Some of us some of us don't feel welcome. Some of us, you know, can't can't find the, the mental and emotional space within us to to wrap our head and our heart around the idea of being able to welcome others. Like like I don't, I don't feel good right now. What how am I gonna have the wherewithal to make somebody else? Feel comfortable, but what we see in that scripture that that Jared just read is is welcome one another with the welcome that you have received from Christ. Welcome one another just as just as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God, and my prayer is is that that would be our reality and and I want to encourage you guys that Throughout so much of the life of the church, I feel like that has been the reality. As new people walk into the church, and, and as they come back a second week, one of the most common things that I've heard is, man, you guys, you guys just really love people well. Like, you guys, you guys really welcome well. And yet, you know, as we've gone through COVID, and as we've come into a new year, and as we're, you know, still a lot of us kind of readjusting to new social patterns, um, there's a little bit of a concern in me that we might lose a step there. You know, like we're at that New Year's resolution kind of season, and I don't know if you like resolutions. Most of you probably don't, but I'm one of those nut jobs It really does. Like, hey, it's a new year, new possibilities. Let's go after this thing. And, you know, it's this, it's this time to reflect and say, um, man, I'm getting a little bit old. I feel like I'm losing a step. Like, like at 46, I compare myself to, to, to that athletic ability that I had at 40 you know, that was amazing, and, and I'm just I'm just a little bit concerned that I've lost a step, or spiritually, or in so many ways, and, you know, so as I've thought about this, I feel like this is still such a strength for our church, but man, I don't want to lose a step. Like, in the coming year, I want us to be more welcoming, you know, and I want every single individual in this room and those who aren't gathered with us this morning but would call this church home, I want you to feel like this is the place that I want to run to. Okay? Like like it's been a long week and it's been hard and and I've been beat down in the world and you know, I'm I'm struggling, I'm struggling with my finances, or I'm struggling with my family, or I'm struggling with my parenting, or I don't know what to do about career, I don't know what to do about relationships. I don't know but but this is where I can run to. And this is where I'm safe and this is where I'm secure and this is where I'm loved and this is where I'm known. This isn't the place that I feel like I got to like dress up and put on my Sunday best and, and put on a facade and pretend that everything is okay, no. This is this is a place where I can go and these people are so crazy. They're going to love me in spite of me. They're going to they they're, they're going to love me at my worst and they don't just love me because God told them to love me, no, they actually like me. You know what I'm talking about there? Like sometimes in my insecurity when when I'm having like conflict with Jess, and you guys know that I'm like this extrovert, over expressive, over everything person, and Jess is like mellow and chill and normal. And uh, you know, so there's times when like she's not communicating her love incessantly, you know, and I just I just I just get insecure and, and I don't feel loved and, and she's like, I love you like, yeah, but do you like me? And I don't necessarily say that out loud because that's another obnoxious thing to say, but it's something that I feel, right? And maybe there's some other weirdos in this place that feel things like that, but, but I want this to the, be the place that you run to because this is your community. This is your family. This is, this, is, this is the place where you experience the love of Christ and where it becomes just so natural to overflow that love into other people. Okay, where you're not just loved, but you're liked, you're appreciated. And again, this is what we see in Scripture. Not just that God so loved the world, but no, that, that, that God speaks in the prophets about, about delighting and, and singing over his children. You know? like Like, I look at you and you just make me so happy that my heart bursts into song. That's the way that we're loved by our God. That's the way that we're welcomed by our God. And that's the way that we want to welcome one another. Um, a few weeks ago, I was I started wrestling with with these concepts, and a few weeks ago, at the beginning of a message, I, I shared this quote by a guy named Ray Ortland. He's a retired pastor. I think he retired, and now he's like doing another pastoral something or another. But he retired from the church he was leading for years. Um, but he was talking about the welcome that he extended at the beginning of every service that he had kind of adapted it from um, from a church called 10th Presbyterian in Philadelphia, which is kind of a historic church and kind of made it his own, but this is what he would say at the beginning of every service to welcome his people. Echoing the words of Jesus and echoing kind of the um, the Sermon on the Mount, he would say, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares, to all who are weak And fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a Savior, this church opens wide her doors with the welcome of Jesus. Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners. Jesus, the ally of his enemies. Jesus, the defender of the indispensable. Jesus, the justifier, means those, the one who declares righteous. Jesus, the justifier of those who have no excuses left. And So this morning, I want to welcome you in the name of Jesus. And again, my prayer is that we wouldn't be a church that simply understands gospel doctrine, but that we would be a, a community that's deeply shaped by that doctrine. Okay? That the beauty of the message would be fully matched by the beauty of the way we love and welcome one another. Amen? That's what we're going for. Um, I want to talk about how the gospel shapes us in such a way, um, in the way that we love each other, in the way that we receive each other, in the way that we welcome each other into our church, into our homes, into our lives. Um, the, The big idea is that as we lean into the gospel, this reality of who God is and what God has done, That The gospel reshapes us both into individuals and a community that that just can't help but welcome the way that we have been welcomed. So again, the theme is the welcome of Jesus. We're going to be in Romans 15, verse 7. It's only one verse, so I'm going to give it to you in three different translations. Um, We'll read the verse. We'll see it in context. We'll talk about how it impacts our relationships both inside and outside the church. Um, So every translation handles this verse a little bit differently. Uh, NIV that I usually preach out of, it says, Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. The Net Bible, uh, another one that I like, it says, Receive one another then, uh, just as Christ also received you to the glory of God. The ESV that that we've read already, it says, Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Um, So why all of these different translations? What does it actually mean? Um, is God calling us to accept people or receive them or welcome them? What's going on? Um, I think that the context of this passage helps us to clarify why the different translations handle it differently. So uh, the context of this passage is conflict. The, conf- the, the context of this passage is the frustration that naturally comes as you gather a highly diverse body of believers together that really don't have much in common but Jesus, and they bring all of their cultural baggage and their past religious baggage and and all of their quirks, and and they annoy each other, and they frustrate each other, and they inconvenience each each other. And that's what's going on here, and that's why Paul writes, except, and, and this is like the tail end of an argument in, late in the book of Romans, but there's a bookend at the beginning of this section, um, Romans 14.1, where Paul begins with a similar command. He says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. In other translations, they say, receive him whose faith is weak, welcome him whose faith is weak, welcome the person whose faith is weak. What does that mean? Um, again, highly diverse context. When it, when it talks about weak Weak faith, um, other translations, other places in scripture where it talks about it. The idea is a weak conscience. Okay? So um, this, this overdeveloped sense of, oh, maybe God isn't pleased with how I'm living. And maybe God isn't pleased with what I'm doing. And, and I'm, I'm anxious about it. And, 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 and it's hard for me to trust that God really loves me and that God really accepts me. And so I feel like maybe I need to do this other stuff just to make sure God and I are good. Okay, so in this context, um, you had people coming from all different kinds of cultural and religious backgrounds, um, specifically you had Jewish people. And Jewish people, they had these um, these cultural norms around the things that they eat, right? You know, like you've heard of kosher food, or or maybe if you don't know anything else about it, maybe uh, maybe you have an association that pork is off limits in the Jewish community, okay? So... Um, so no, no bacon, no barbecue. Maybe you can have sweet baby rays, but you, you you can't put it on pork. Okay, I don't know if you can have sweet baby rays. I don't know the rules. Praise God, we don't have a lot of rule. We don't have any rules about those sorts of things. Okay. So so imagine you're you're coming from that community and you've been raised all of your life to believe that 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 it is a violation of the will of God for you to eat bacon. And then you show up at the church potluck and, and these jokers brought bacon. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? This is, r- the bacon, look, it, it, it the, the, the bacon touched the eggs and, and the bacon touched this other stuff. And I I don't, I don't, clearly you guys aren't taking me into consideration. I feel like I'm gonna have to leave. You know, and other people, they were coming into that context, they were coming from a pagan background where their hang up with food is that if they were going to eat meat in the past, they would not eat meat unless it would first been sacrificed to an idol. Unless it's it's first been offered to a demon. Okay? And for them, that might be, in their past, something like what we have with communion. It's not exactly the same thing. I don't want you to like force that a little bit too much. But kind of a, um, an outward expression of an inward reality is how we talk about it. That that when we take communion, the Lord's table, Lord's supper, that, um, that we're expressing our identification with Christ. With his body broken and his blood shed for us. And for these pagan individuals, when they ate this meat sacrifice to idols, it was an act of worship. It was, it was a declaration and a reminder of their devotion to these pagan gods you know and and whatever they might have been in that culture you know Ares the god of war or or Zeus you know whatever his title was kind of the the big greco-roman god or you know Aphrodite or whoever um scripturally what they understood is that there's demons behind these false gods and coming out of that background and and having having that eating of meat being a significant part of their worship experience they understood that this wasn't just silliness no this was This was worshiping demons, and they've come out of that. And so the idea of once again eating meat sacrificed to idols, it just, it wrecked them. You know, and and what they understood, was it in the neighborhood where the church met? You know, the neighborhood where they lived? If you go to any meat market in town, it's going to be meat that's been sacrificed to an idol. You know, so again, they got got people coming to the church barbecue who aren't from that pagan background, and they're just sitting there thinking, you know, like, I need to find some place that's convenient that has a good deal on great meat, you know, a great cut, you know, whatever it is that you like—the beef or whatever, the, the 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 sirloin that I can bring, that I can bring to this barbecue, that I can bring to this cookout, that I can bring to this church event, and I'm going to make the event better because I'm bringing I'm bringing a great cut of meat here. And again, they get there, maybe unbeknownst to them, they're not thinking about it, they hadn't considered it. They're brothers and sisters in Christ that are coming from a different religious, different cultural background. They're wrecked by it. You know, and they walk in and say, what is wrong with you? And they, and they have the conversation and the other person's looking at them like, like in the past, I remember uh, like, like kind of accommodating allergies has become something in our culture that's quite normal. But you roll it back ten years. I remember there was a woman who came to the church for the first time maybe second time and and second time and it's like the church potluck day and she brought um she brought um peanut butter cookies and one of the other parents had a kid with peanut butter allergies and he like he was upset and he took the cookies and he pulled them off and then this woman like what are, you know and it was it was awkward you know because we weren't coming from the same space we didn't we didn't see it the same way it was it was inconvenience like you know, and and maybe like the food sacrifice to idols. is okay, I kind of get that, but but you're trying to pull back on my bacon? Like, what's a, what's a church breakfast without bacon? Last time we had sausage, it went fine. It wasn't for this reason. The sausage probably had pork in it as well, okay? But you can see where there'd be some tensions here, and there were tensions, and some of them were the exact tensions I described, some of them were worse. Okay, but they were struggling to live as this diverse community, loving each other, receiving each other, welcoming each other. They were frustrating each other. And some of those frustrations and concerns seemed trivial. The thing about trivial concerns is that your trivial concern is my serious concern. And my serious concern is your trivial concern. And we, we don't see those things the same way, but it was an absolute mess. Which brings us to the question, how do we live in community with people who are different from us? With people who may sometimes be frustrating or inconvenient to us. And so Paul challenges the, the church in Rome, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Or receive one another just as Christ has received you. Or welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you. And it's this last one that I think really catches the nuance. And I understand why translations say accept or receive because it's in the midst of conflict. And like if, if you've been like just scrapping with your little brother or little sister or whatever, and you know, one of you has a black eye and one of you has a split lip and you know people are bleeding and it's been going badly, and mom says, Okay, welcome each other. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it doesn't seem like the right word, but she said, Okay, quit, calm down. Your brother and sister, I need you to accept one another. I, I need you to receive one another. I need, you to, I need you to understand we're still family. But again, I think that's why they use that verse, because we're in the context of conflict. But I think the word that really gets at it more than anything is, is welcome. Like the actual Greek word behind it, it has this, this connotation of extension, Okay, like like my arms are out wide, like we're we're getting ready to embrace, we're getting ready to hug. I know some of you aren't huggers. Welcome to Mosaic Church. Hopefully, you get there someday. Okay, but it's it's this it's this this wide open arms open. It, it speaks of welcome you into something. I want to welcome you into my life. I want to welcome you into my social circle. I want you to welcome you into my family. I want to welcome you into my church. Um. Other contexts, this, this, this word can be used of eating food. Okay, so there's this thing that I'm taking into my body. In the same way that we're welcoming other people into the body of Christ. That's the, that's the connotation. It is, it is intimate. It's, it's, it's full on. It's, it's, it's going in hard so the word itself self is, is powerful and expressive, but Paul takes it further. He says, I don't just want you to welcome each other. I want you to welcome each other in the same way that Christ has welcomed you. I want you to welcome each other as Christ has welcomed you. Again, um, I mentioned Ray Ortland, that, that kind of like welcome poem kind of thing at the beginning. Um, talking about this verse, he says, um, it doesn't say, say hi to one another as Christ has said hi to you. Because Christ did not say hi to you. You know? his His welcome of you was not so trite as that okay he he received you he you, you use the word accept he accepted you wholeheartedly, you know all that you are everything that's messed up about you you are mine, I want you come on in you know he's like he's like that that really um that obnoxious aunt that that you know hugs and kisses a lot and just you know like grabs you in and you, and you're I want this to be positive, but whatever. Therefore, welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I want us to think about how Christ has welcomed us. Um, First, he welcomes us through the gospel. He welcomes us through this whole plan of redemption. You know, where God creates this perfect world for humanity, and humanity says, I'm not interested like, I want to do life my way, on my own, apart from you. I don't like your rules. I don't like your methods. I don't like the idea of having a Lord over me. I'm going this way. You go that way. Have a good life. And then what does God do? He continues to protect. He continues to provide. He continues to care. He he uses the language of marriage, and, and God pictures himself as this husband that continues to woo and pursue and to seek and to save his bride. You know, and and thousands of years go on, and we we roll it forward to the New Testament, and, and God breaks into our world. God comes to our neighborhood. God, the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas, God becomes a man. And he lives the life we were supposed to live, and he dies the death we deserve to die, in order that we might be reconciled to him. Not by doing better and trying harder, but by grace through faith. He does all that's necessary, like some some dead theologian, I can't remember the name, said, uh, the, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. He's tenacious. He's unending. He does all of the work. You think about how we welcome each other, like, like you know, I, I sent a text message and they didn't respond. What a jerk. Couldn't be that they were busy or anything like that. Couldn't be that you know, something else was going on in their life. I put myself out there and, and they rejected me. That's not how God has loved us. You know, God has loved us in the, okay, I sent the text message and that didn't work, so I, so I called and that didn't work, so I, so I stopped by and they didn't open the door, but I just kept on knocking. Okay? God has loved us with, with, a, with a gentle and wonderful, on the edge of obnoxious kind of love. Like, you, you, don't, you don't even want to be loved by me, but here I am. I love you, and I'm coming for you. How else has, has God loved us? How do we see God loving us in the gospel? We just see this tenacious desire, like we talked about welcoming somebody else into our circle, into our church, into our family, into our life. That's what God does. He's welcoming us into the circle of the triune God. Um, we see that, that, that Christ has welcomed us in a way that is adaptive. You know, you think about the incarnation. He became like us. Um, the unchanging God, in a certain sense, changed. He became a man in order that he might meet us where we are. He entered into our experience. Think about doing this with a child. You know, especially a small child. How do you, how do you how do you welcome a small child? You get low, right? You get down. You, you get down at eye level with them, and you talk to them. And maybe you don't talk like an adult. Maybe you. I'm not going to do it here. But you know how your speech changes a little bit. You know, when when you're getting down there with a kid. Um, some of you guys know Adonis, one of the one of the kids at Erickson that I spent a lot of time with. He's come out to the church. Um, I got him a, a Cubs hat for Christmas. I know Ryan you're excited about that. Some of you get several guys. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but I got him a Cubs hat because I love getting down in Adonis's space and when I get down in his space he steals my hat, you know? So one I wanted to have a hat to steal. I wanted wanted you know maybe he'd, I don't know, I don't mind when he steals my hat, but but I, I just I just wanted to have that. But but that's what we do with kids, right? You know, we get down on their level. we, we become like them. In order to enter into their world, in order to welcome them. And that is that is what Christ has done for us. And that's that's what that's what God calls us to do for one another. You know, and that's gonna look differently for a forty-six year old man than it or, you know, a thirty-five year old woman or whatever than it looks for a five year old child. But this is something that, that God has commanded us, it's something that God has welcomed us into to figure it out. What does it look like to adapt to these people? Um over the holidays as I, was, as I was hanging out with different people, getting to know some different people, I had this, this thing come up several times that I get in my life where I'm talking to people about their career and I get a little ways into the conversation. And they're like, are you an engineer too? Or, are, so, so are, you, are you in medicine too? Or are you a teacher too? And no, no, not at all. Um, but it's because I'm trying to enter into the world. Like I want to understand them. I'm genuinely curious about who they are and and what their life is like and i I just got so many questions they're like, "Okay, clearly you're into this, clearly you're you're whatever and and maybe, but but i want- I want to be into that person, you know it's not that engineering is so fascinating, it's that timo's fascinating, you know, and I love him, and I want to be a part of his life, and I want to understand his world and this is what we're invited into to figure out you know what is what does it look like to to adapt, what does it look like to enter into the lives of others? You know, obviously, when we talk about the cross, we have been welcomed at great cost, right? And that's that's like obvious and um, and and right there on the surface in terms of Christ loving us to the point of death, death on a cross. And like, there's a lot that we could say about that, about you know the the tenacity and the hardship and the um, and the the what we're what we're willing to overcome. Um, but I just want to talk for a second about loving each other in a way that's costly of our time and of our mental, emotional energy and of our convenience. Um, Rosaria Butterfield, she wrote a book, haven't read it yet. I've read some of her other stuff, but she wrote a book called um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Haven't read the book, but hearing her speak and, and seeing similar themes in her other writings, I think what she's basically saying is that if you want to share the gospel with people, you, you need to be like Paul who says, we love you so much that we we didn't just share the gospel of God, but we shared our very lives as well. Okay? That that if you want to love people towards Jesus, it's going to inconvenience you a little bit. You know, you're going to have to welcome people in your house and you're going to have to des- decide, does that mean I spent extra time cleaning my house or does that mean that I just let them see what a messy person I am when I'm not trying to impress? But But one way or another, people are going to have to come into your life, come into your home, come into your small group, come into your church, be... Join with you if they're going to understand this message. And that is the kind of costly love that we see with Jesus. He's like, you know, he didn't say, hey, come back, come back three weeks from Wednesday and I'm going to preach again. You know, he said, come follow me. They're like, hey, hey, where do you stay? And you're like, well, come and, come and figure it out. You know, I wasn't planning on a sleepover tonight, but I guess that's what we're doing. And that's our model. Um, Christ has loved us and welcomed us graciously. And again, maybe this is overdone, but, but I think it's easy to miss the magnitude of what grace means. We're, we're not just talking about forgiveness, but adoption. Not mercy, like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to count your sins against you, but grace. Not mercy, but grace. Not I'm just going to count your sins against you. No, I'm, I'm welcoming you into the family. You know, come and join us. Beloved Son, whom I love, welcome. That's the kind of welcome that we've received, a a gracious welcome. Again, a tenacious welcome, a repeated welcome. In Scripture, we we see again and again, his, His grace is new every morning. It's really hard to love people that way, right? Like somebody slaps you in the face on Tuesday and it's Wednesday morning, like, hey, I got new grace for you. Or somebody slaps you in the face at, at 4 p.m. On, on Thursday, and it's 4.01. It's like, I got new grace for you. I um, heard, a, heard a quote about Bill Bright, the founder of um, Hibs Crusade for Christ, talking about not just living by faith, but loving by faith. Meaning, you're in this situation where everything in you is saying, you know, it's, I, I'm not interested in loving this person right now. You know, this person is difficult or this situation is awkward or this um, this relationship is strained. Um, you know, I see him across the room and I want to walk the other way, but I'm not going to. In the same way that we're called to live by faith, he says we're called to love by faith. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock eyes with that person and I'm going to start walking. And they might be 10 steps away and I don't know what I'm going to say to them and I don't even know that I want to say anything to them, but but as I take these 10 steps, I'm praying and I'm trusting God that he's going to work by the power of his spirit to give me the, the wherewithal, not, not only to like speak to them cordially, but to love them, to welcome them as he has welcomed us. And I'm just going to go there. And that's beautiful because that is the way that we have been loved. Again, comprehensively, the, the whole initiative. You know? It, 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 again, I, I said it earlier, but it's not like, hey, I took one step, I texted, they didn't text back. No, it's, it's I'm going again. I'm going again. And, and I'm going to be the one who loves this person in. Bottom line, as we lean into who God is and how he loves us, the gospel reshapes us both as individuals and as a community into people who naturally welcome others just as Jesus has welcomed us. One of the things I want you guys to understand in ministry is you kind of like take more responsibility to to serve God in this world. You're going to get rejected at times. Um, You're going to have these social interactions where you put yourself out there and you reach out to people and you love people and they they turn you away or they get angry at you. Um, You know, like I've texted people hey, buddy, love you. They're like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I mean, I love you. Or texting people like, hey, just want you to know I'm praying for you. Oh, wh- what do you mean by that? I'm like, I mean, I'm praying for you. Or I get together with somebody like, yeah, well, what are you praying for me? I don't know the same things that I pray for myself. You know, that, that I would know the love of God. That it would be transforming my life. That I would love him more. That I would love other people more. Yes, am I praying that you would love me more? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. I don't think that that's mean. Um, if you try to welcome other people as, as Christ has welcomed you, you're going to find yourself on on the rejected end of the relationship at times. Um, sometimes I'm hard to get out of a conversation with um, and its habit and its temperament, but some of it is like um, I realized a long time ago that in social interactions, there's there's always um, one person who's like trying to get out of the conversation first. I just decided I'm gonna let that be the other person. Like I'm not, I don't want people to feel rejected by me. So as much as I can, I'm just gonna am just gonna keep on leaning in and talking and taking interest. And you know, <laughs> eventually people get bored with me and they like walk away. Um that's okay. you know that's, that's loving like Christ has loved us. Amen. I want us to recognize that, that when we do this, God is glorified. It says, um, "Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Because when the beauty of our community matches the beauty of the gospel, God is glorified. Amen. There's a guy named Francis Schaefer, another dead pastor guy. Um, I'm bringing up a lot of them today. Um, but he talked about the two orthodoxies. Um, orthodoxy, maybe it sounds like a foreign churchy word, but it means right. Um, ortho means right, like a right angle is orthogonal if you're into that stuff. Um, so orthodoxy means, means right, right doctrine, right right teaching. It literally means right glory. But um, he, he talked about that there's two orthodoxies. There's an orthodoxy of doctrine. Like we get what the Bible teaches right. We get the gospel right. But he says there's, there's also an orthodoxy of practice or there's, there's an orthodoxy of community. And again, the idea is that, um, is that our gospel culture should match our gospel preaching. Our gospel culture should match our gospel message. And that if the tone and the vibe and the intangibles of our community and the way that we relate to each other, don't proclaim and agree with the gospel, then people are going to have a hard time understanding the gospel. Like if I stand up here on Sunday and I I talk more eloquently than usual about the, the lavish grace of God, but I do so in a tone that is cold and is harsh and is condemning, no one's going to hear about the lavish grace of God. They're just going to know that the preacher's a jerk. Okay? And likewise, if, if if people walk into our community and, and we talk about, you know, just just being a church as diverse as our city, and welcoming all sorts of people and loving all sorts of people and being being patient and bearing with everybody, one another, and we don't do it, not only are people gonna be confused, they're gonna be angry. It was a bait and switch. You talk a good game, but you people are jerks. But when the beauty of our community matches the beauty of the gospel, God is glorified. Again, he says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Because when that happens, everyone in our world sees that and they're like, that is just plain weird. Weird. you probably don't have any place else in your life where that happens. Maybe you grew up in an exceptionally healthy family and you're like, yeah, that's how my family is. But most of us didn't. But man, don't we want to be a a community where the beauty of of our relationships actually matches the beauty of the gospel? Isn't that desirable? Isn't that compelling? And man, if we are that, how easy will it be to welcome new people in? You think about your your friends and family, your your classmates and coworkers, neighbors, strangers, all the people that you're going to meet in the coming week. There aren't one in ten of those people that have that sort of community in their life. And some of them can't articulate it, but I'm promising you every single one of them wants that. You know, if if, if you're as old as me, you grew up and there was this... uh, There's this TV show um, called Cheers, and the the theme song, you know, they sang about, you know, you want to go to the place where everybody knows your name, okay? We're talking, and and that theme song resonated with an entire generation, and I know for most of you it's not your generation, I get that, I'm old, we've been there, covered that already, but that theme song resonated with a whole generation because that's something that that all of us have as a longing within us, you know? to go to the place where everybody knows your name. But we're talking about something that is more rich and more beautiful than knowing your name. We're talking about this community where everybody loves me like Jesus loves me. Everybody welcomes me like Jesus welcomes me. And that is, that is bold. That is wonderful. That is beautiful. And I want us to understand that the, the context of this passage, kind of as it's stated, it's talking about relationships within the church. It's talking about one another is within the body of Christ within members of the body of Christ. But I want us to understand that this also has implications for those outside the church. And even as you read through the context, as you read through the book of Romans, one of the themes that you see is that he's talking about this faith that began among the Jewish community with all these promises that God made to the nation of Israel. And he's talking about how the beauty of how God is fulfilling all of these promises and all of these blessings and the promise that he gave to Abraham that all nations on earth are going to be blessed through you. He's talking about the beauty of how the gospel, it begins in the Jewish community and then it just explodes into the entire world and all kinds of people and it brings the outsider in. Because that's what the Gentiles, the nations, the non-Jewish people were. They were the spiritual outsiders. And so a mega theme in the book of Romans is how the outsider is brought in. And so likewise, it's natural that this welcome would be extended beyond, beyond those who are already a part of the kingdom of God to those who are outside. And again, when we think about the welcome of Jesus, we've, we've we just got to recognize that Jesus was well-known and often criticized for being the person who, quote, welcomed sinners and ate with them, right? Jesus was so hyper-focused on the marginalized. You know, like they, they bring up that criticism. He's like, yeah, well, well, here's the deal. It's not the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And you guys are convinced you're healthy, so I'm going over there to the people who know that they're sick. Same criticism in, uh, in Luke 15. Um, the, the Pharisees, the religious establishment, they're coming to him and they're criticizing, quote, for welcoming sinners and eating with them. And what does Jesus say in response to that? He goes into three parables. The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coins and the lost son. Just thinking about the first one of those, the parable of the lost sheep. What is it? Jesus pictures himself as a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And he's, and he's talking to people who know that industry. And he's like, guys, you know as well as I do, if you've got a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what are you going to do? You're going to leave the 99 sheep in the open country and you're going to go searching for the one lost sheep, right? He says, that's what I'm doing here. You know? I, I am going for the lost sheep. And so again, this speaks into not just how we love one another, but it, it speaks how we love the new person. The outsider, the the person who's walking into our community and still finding their place. And honestly, that's a lot of you, you know? Some of you have been here for a few weeks, and you're still trying to find your place. How do I fit in? Some of you have been here for a few months. You're still trying to find your place. How do I fit in? Some of you have been here for years. And I ask you at the beginning of the message, do you feel welcome here? And in your heart of hearts, you're like, No. We're going to welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. We're going to prayerfully develop a sense for who the people are who who are at the margins, you know? And we're going to go to them, and we're going to love them. We're going to welcome them, right? When we think of welcoming others as Christ has welcomed us, our vision naturally extends beyond the walls of this building. And I pray that God would extend that vision in every single one of us. Um, I pray that in the coming minutes and in the coming weeks and in the coming years, that every single aspect of our church, again, our, our vibe, our tone, all of the intangibles, I pray that they would gently scream welcome. That they would convey a sense of the gospel. And that all of that would reflect the welcome that we have received from our God. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that we are a people who have been welcomed. Who have been welcomed in the extreme. Who have been welcomed in every way that we might imagine or hope. God, for those who are still wrestling with the gospel and struggling to believe that there is a God who loves them so lavishly. God, I pray that this community and the way that we love would be a great apologetic for it. That it would help to convince them that maybe this God could love me like these people love me. Um, Lord, for those who are convinced of your love but not feeling loved in this gathering. God, I pray you'd help us to work it out. Lord, I pray you'd give a spirit of grace and patience to take the time that's necessary to work it out. Um, But I pray you'd also just give a a spirit of tenacious love um, that that would keep on pounding and keep on trying to figure it out. Um, Lord, I just pray that the that the beauty of our community and the beauty of our relationships and the beauty of the way we engage those outside of these walls would match the beauty of your love that we see in the gospel. Lord, And give us grace as, as we strive to get there. Amen.